all right? Uh, but speaking of wise, the wise of life, let me, uh, let me, let me share with you a, uh, a story. Everybody know who the Wright brothers are? Yeah, I'm pretty sure, right? The inventors of flight, the two brothers, yeah? How many of you guys know who Samuel Langley is? You're like, who? Some of you guys might know, right? Actually, the Wright brothers and Samuel Langley, they were contemporaries of each other, trying to discover flight at the same time. The only difference was Samuel Langley was well-connected. He knew, Andrew, he knew uh, Carnegie. He knew uh, Andrew uh, Graham Bell. He had connection to the U.S. government. He had funded 50K, equivalent to $2 million today, to put together the brightest minds so that we can fly. He stacked the cards for himself so that he can figure how, how to create flight. The Wright brothers, on the other hand, they weren't, th their team had very little people who finished high school, right? And yet, the Wright brothers invented flight and not Samuel Langley. Do you know why? And it's because, there's a lot of reasons, but the main reason is this, okay? It's because of their why. Both of them were passionate about flying. They were both passionate about it. They, they had somewhat the know-how. Wright brothers were actually a little bit more um, uh, behind, but they're both passionate about it. They both wanted the same thing, but the Wright brothers were able to create flight because they had the better why. Okay? The Wright brothers, you know what their, their why was when they spoke to their people, to their team? They were excited with changing the world by giving people a new way of travel. They were excited of changing the world by creating a new way of travel for people. Do you know what Samuel Langley's why was? He was obsessed with the idea of him being the first to create flight. And he brought together a team to make that happen. All right. When you clarify your why, things change. If you have the right why, things are transformed. People are transformed. The world is transformed. Okay? It's really about the why. And today, what I want to share with you as we finish up this series on transforming power of Jesus Christ, transforming life through Jesus Christ, is Matthew, I love Matthew because the way he writes, if you guys ever study it, you know that it's not just some random dude writing a gospel. This guy... He was well-versed, he was smart, he was educated, he was poetic. And the way he phrased his gospel was to help us, if, you're, if you were looking at it correctly, if you help us see the why of Jesus, okay? And I want to I share with you guys today something very simple. You know, the first uh, chapters 5 and to 7 was the Beatitudes. We went the whole series on that. And the whole series was the characteristics of what it means to be part of God's kingdom. If you are going to be a God, in God's kingdom, if you are going to be someone who's called a son or a daughter of God, these are the very characteristics it takes to be in this kingdom. But then, chapter 8 to 10, what Matthew begins to do is he begins to show all these accounts of Jesus doing things. But by him showing these accounts, what he was actually doing, if you were reading it, is to clarify the why of Jesus. And let me show you how this works. So today I'm going to show you something very simple. What was Jesus' why and what we are called to do in light of that why? Okay? What was Jesus' why and what we are called to do in light of that why? Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9, verses 27. We're going to go all the way to 38, but we're going to go 27 to 34 first. 
there's a pattern I, wanna, I want you guys to help, help you guys see. And usually, you see these patterns better. I'm not going to knock you guys anymore for not bringing your Bibles, actual Bibles, and just using your phones. But you usually see these patterns a lot better when you have your actual Bible. Because you can see how Matthew um, writes his, uh, his gospel and how it connects together. But I'm going to show it to you guys today a little bit. But let me read it for you, and then I'll, I'll, uh, I'll do something nerdy in a second. All right. Matthew chapter 9, verse 27 to 34. It goes like this. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. And he, when he had gone indoors, the blind man came to him and he asked him, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. And he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, will it be done to you? And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over the region. And while they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed, could not talk, was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, it is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Okay? Now, if you've been following us through this series of the transferring power of Jesus Christ, you notice that there seems to be a pattern that's happening here. Right? I've shared with you this, this format. This is a thing called a chiastic structure. Right? And again, it's nerdy, but let me just share with you because it's such an important part. Chiastic structure is like this A, B, C, D, C, B, A model. Okay? And what that whole point is, is it shows you a pattern and what the central part of it, in this part D, right? whatever is central is the main highlight of what the writer is trying to accomplish in this section. And so from starting from chapter 8, we read about physical healing. Remember that? He healed the leper. He healed the centurion's servant. He healed his, uh, Peter's mother-in-law. He healed these people. There was a physical healing that came about, okay? That was part A. That was to show that God, Jesus had power over the physical realm. But here's the next part, part B, right? And then for B, what happens next? Nature and spiritual, right? Jesus went and he calmed the storm. Jesus went and he, had, he cast out a demon in the city of Gerasene. Right, Matthew 23, uh, Matthew chapter 9, 8, verse 23, 28. And what that is saying is simply what I've been sharing with you guys, that Jesus has power over the spiritual dimension, over the spiritual realm. Because we're more than just physical. Humanity is both physical and spiritual. So if you're going to bring healing, you have to have someone who can heal both physical needs and spiritual needs. Okay? In the same way, if you're going to actually be healthy and grow and become someone who is flourishing, not only do you need to take care of your body, physically, but you also got to take care of it spiritually. If you have one or the other, you're still sick, and you're still half where you're supposed to be, okay? You can be super spiritual, but your body is sick and, and lost. That's not taking care of your body. That's not really bringing flourishing. And Jesus is someone who can have control over both of those, physical and spiritual. And then part C comes in. Jesus talks about his ability to forgive sins. And what Jesus is saying here is that the reason I can do that is because I am God. Physical, spiritual, I'm in control. I can forgive sins because I am God. And then we get into this picture of the central part, which is the call of Matthew. Okay, the call of Matthew. And here it is. Matthew, a tax collector. Matthew, who was somebody who was um, seen as hated in his community because tax collectors were known to swindle and lie and cheat and take money from the people. And Jesus comes in and he sits with them and he sits with um, Matthew and his buddies, the sinners, okay, and the Pharisees came in and they were upset about this, okay. And then what do we see from there? Then we see the pattern going backwards, part C, right? We see it here. 
He raises the dead, right? He raises the dead. He raised that young girl, uh, daughter of, that, um, of Jairus, right? The ruler of the synagogue. He raises the young girl, again, telling everyone that he is God. I am who I say I am. I am God. And then part B is what we just read. Is that nature spiritual, God, Jesus is in control of it. He cast out a demon in this passage, right? And they didn't believe that he can have that power. No one has ever seen this in Israel, they proclaim. And then A, he did what? Physical healing. Okay, again, he healed the blind men. He gave them sight. Now, the reason why Matthew wrote it in this thing, I know it's a little nerdy, hang out on me, okay? The oomph is coming, right? So the reason why Matthew wrote it in this pattern is because he wants you to focus on and go back to the central part of what these two converge into, which is part D. Because right after he does the whole healing in, the, uh, in this verse, the very next thing that he talks about was what? He talks about the workers are few. Right, the workers are few. See, the central reason that Matthew is trying to tell the readers of why Jesus was here. Why Jesus is here is simply what? It is simply to call the lost back to God. See, the Pharisees, when, 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 when Jesus sat down and ate with Matthew and the sinners, the Pharisees, they didn't like it. They didn't like that he welcomed sinners. They didn't like that he welcomed cheats. And these sinners are people who were like foul mouth. They cursed all the time. They slept in all the wrong beds. You know, they had a habit of lying. They, had, they, haven't, um, uh, they haven't stepped into the doors of a church or synagogue in ages. These are people that were not part of the community. And, all, and, and then Jesus got them. He gathered them all around him. And he sat with them. And they were taking everything he was saying. They were listening to him. They were engaging this. And they, the Pharisees hated because they was, he was doing what? He was eating with these people. And to eat with them, back in the days, the people... Uh, when you eat with them, you're basically saying, I welcome you as a friend. I welcome you as my equal. I welcome you here. The Pharisees didn't think that. You know why? Because they say these people don't meet our standards. These people don't meet the religious standard that we're supposed to have as a person. And what Jesus was doing, right, he wasn't compromising when he sat with them. He compromised nothing when he was with them. He engaged with the tax collectors. He engaged with sinners. He engaged people of ill a repute. He never compromised. He didn't, but he ate with them. He gathered them together. He ate with them to do what? He talked about God who loved them. He talked about God who wants a relationship with them, not to judge them or to be critical of them, but to forgive them and to bring them home. He talked about a God that they have never heard of, a God who actually wants a relationship with the worst of hearts. He wants to see people brought back into this kingdom. He wants to see sons and daughters who you believe, who everyone else, who the religious leaders and the church people believe are outside the standard of what it means to be part of the church. And the why that Matthew was trying to push for everyone to understand, the biggest why is this. Jesus came. Jesus came so that lost people can return to God. That is Jesus' why. I came to bring lost people to me. Look at verse 35. Let me read this to you. 
Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues. Again, this is the central part again, because it repeats. Preaching the good news of the kingdom of he and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The religious people saw what Jesus was doing, and he, his heart broke for them. For the people around them. Because they were sheep without shepherds. They were constantly harassed by religious leaders. They were constantly kicked out of places where they thought they wanted to be at. They were not loved. They were not cared for. They were not taken care of. And Jesus is coming in and he's giving this whole group of people a message. God loves you. God wants you. God is not here simply to judge and critique you. He is here to forgive you. Do you understand that that God is here? Do you understand that that's the God that I serve? And when he saw this, and again, it, it converges to, can I go back to that slide again? It converges back to the last point. And what the point is, is that lost people matter to God. And if lost people matter to God, and if Matthew wrote it in such a way to convert this point here, if lost people matter to God, so they should also matter to God. Us. I know you guys are thinking, that's, isn't that like what we always do? Isn't that what the whole church is about? Is it though? Have you asked yourself the why of our church? Because if you ask enough, then you get down to the mission of why we do what we do. See, let's say this. Say, you know, if someone asks you, hey, what's your business? Um, building a church. Why? To engage the cause of Christ. Why? The world needs Jesus. Why? Because they are dead in their sins and face eternity in hell without him. Why? Because they haven't entered into a relationship with God through, cross, through the cross and the work of Jesus Christ. Why? Because they haven't been told or they don't know how. They have not been told and they do not know how. And so the conversions of this section that we've talked about was Matthew saying to the it was, God, it was Matthew saying to the readers here that the heart of why Jesus came was not to win religious people over. That the heart of why Jesus came was to make sure those who did not know God know that He wants a relationship with them. That it's not what they have to do to change, but that God, has a that God desires a relationship with them. That God loves them more than anything else. That God is here to forgive and he's here to bring them back into the fold. They are not isolated. They are not beyond saving. They are not a lost cause. He loves them and he wants a relationship with them. How many times... How many times in our, in our uh, puffed up knowledge of scripture and our puffed up knowledge of doctrine do we use words in, to actually hurt people instead of lifting people up? That people want to come through these doors but we say, no, 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 hold on. You have to understand what we're about first. You have to understand what we're all, what, what we stand for. You have to understand all these things and then now you can come through these doors. Now we can accept you. Now we can do these things once you understand what we're about. Jesus was never about that. Jesus never had that in mind. Jesus simply wanted people to know there is a God in heaven who wants a relationship with you. 
Not to judge you, not to critique you, but to build a relationship with you. Because he loves you. And he knows that there's a broken relationship here. And this broken relationship is why you are running your life in this constant turmoil, constant chasing, constant downwind spiral. The reason why your life is constantly looking for for something new, something better, something um, more inspiring to achieve is because what you're really looking for is your God. And here's here's the good news. I've come to tell you, your God wants this relationship with you. He wants it with you. And so Jesus comes and he tells his people, his disciples this, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Your Christian life, brothers and sisters, as you progress and you grow, that's important. You will be sanctified. Holy Spirit will work in you. But your Christian mission has always been the same. Whatever got you through those doors to sit in these pews, to be here, it's the same purpose for why you walk out there and you bring other people in. We need to be a people who understand a why. We need to be a people who understand that our Christian walk is not things that we have to do, but there are things that we want to do. Do you know why the Wright brothers were able to invent flight, even though they had a team of uneducated people? And Langley, Samuel Langley, was not, even though he had energy, he had uh, finances, he had the brightest minds on his team. Do you know why he could not invent flight? The reason why was his team had to do what they had to do. They had to do it for the paycheck. They had to do it for the paycheck. They didn't have the same vision as Samuel Langley. Samuel Langley's vision was, I want to be the first to create flight. But the Wright brothers, their vision was what? Let's be a people that create a world where humans can travel through the air. Let's create a world where we can actually bring something new and inspirational to this world. And his team, though uneducated, did what? Were inspired by that. And they created flight. You know, Samuel Langley, after Wright Brothers created flight, you know what happened to him? He didn't improve on their ideas, even though he had the know-how, the engineering, and the things to improve on it. Because there was things that he was missing that the Wright brothers was able to figure out. Because they're inspired to try different things. Versus Samuel Langley, they kept doing the exact same thing over and over and over. Because they're engineers, they're STEM people. They were just focused on what they know. They never broke the mold. These guys were inspired for that. And so they broke everything in order to make flight happen. You know what Samuel Langley did? The moment he realized he wasn't the first anymore, he gave up the project. He gave up the project because he was no longer the first to create flight. And you know what's crazy? 70 years later, the Wright brothers who answered the why, 70 years later, we walked on the moon because we had the right why. You see, church, I want to I ask you guys something. 
if you feel that your Christian walk is a have to, right, then we've given you the wrong vision. And if anything, the gospel itself has not inspired your heart or is beautiful to you. If your natural response to bring people in to love and to tell people of a love of God is a have to, you've got the wrong vision and you've got the wrong why. Because the why that literally changed the world was the good news. The good news of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. The people went out into the world after he died and he resurrected, and they told the world there is a living God who loves them, who wants a relationship with them, who proves it to them by dying on the cross for their sins, making amends before themselves and God, being the bridge and the peacemaker between themselves and God, so that now men can have a relationship with him. They died for that. They were willing to do anything possible. They were inspired to change every mold, break every standard, break everything in order so that people will know God loves you. That is the inspiration. That is the why of the good news. It does not matter that you're inclined towards one type of thinking. It does not matter if you're stuck in one way. The question is, if God is real, in light of the truth of who he is, in light of the fact that he loves you, in light of the fact that without him you are lost, in, in light of the fact that the choices you've made in this world is a constant repetition of everyone else's choices that they've made in this world, leading them down to the same chaotic road, same chaotic mess, same spiral. What are you going to do about this truth? That God loves you. What are you going to do in light of it? And if you're a son and daughter of this church, and you know you love God and God is in your life, the question is really, do you have your why set? Do you know what the brothers uh, the, uh, in the men's group, you know, you know what they really almost unanimously came up with? I asked them, like, What's our why for 2022? What are we going to do, right? In light of what we're supposed to do, what are we going to do for 2022? Right? You guys tell me. I'm tired of telling you what to do, right? And so they said something very simple. We want to see our church flourish and grow. We want to make sure we build a generation that will do so. I pray that they will. I pray that we will. Because if that's the why, right? If that's the why... Amen. To grow the church, not in numbers, but to grow the church in terms of reaching out to brothers, to sisters, to bring them through those doors, to tell them, you're loved. If God can save me, he can definitely save you. All right? And if you know our brothers, if God can save them, nothing is impossible. Right? <laughs> nothing is impossible. And so my prayer today is this. It's very simple. I want you guys to get it. It's the why of why we're here. Jesus has come to call the world back to him. And if Jesus' main mission is to reach out to the helpless, the harassed, the neglected, the outskirts, the sinners, 
the tax collectors, the cheats, the fornicators. If that was his mission, then it ought to be our mission as well. Think about the way you work. Think about your family. Think about your school. Let's carry out the work that truly transforms people. The power that Jesus gives to you, you know what it is, guys? It's very simple. It's the good news. That's all it is. If you are faithful to live that good news out, people will be transformed. It's been done for 2,000 years. It will be done again. But you got to break the mold. You got to break the mold. It's not just about sitting on these pews every Sunday, right? Sometimes I'm stuck, sometimes I'm stuck as your pastor because I'm old, right? And I can't see things more. Help me to see it. You know what? I would love it if you guys would come and say, PT, this is where everybody's at. This is where we need to go. Let's go. If you see it, then let's do it, all right? Do it because of who he is. Do it because of what he's done. Do it because you want to. Because he's loved you. Because he saved you. Because you know it and the relationship is real. Don't do it because you have to. Because if you do it because you have to, we're going to be stuck. We're going to be stuck doing the same thing over and over. Nothing's going to change. Do it because the work of God is moving in your heart. Let's pray.